Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. My name is Jacob Charnow, leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch with Chris Landry Football. Later in the show, we will be joined with Robbie Sabo, who is a credentialed New York Jets journalist and co-founder of the Jets X Factor. We have a loaded show today once again, so let's get right into it with some news. So we are Less than a week away from football, we start this Thursday. Thursday night, the Kansas City Chiefs open up the 2020 NFL season against the Houston Texans. I'm going to do a quick preview of this game now. Since starting next week on the Hard Count Football Podcast Live, I will be doing previews, reviews, and predictions of all the NFL games from that week. So let's talk about this game. The defending Super Bowl champions will take on the weaponless Houston Texans after the Texans choked a 24 to nothing lead in the divisional round of the playoffs last year. The way I expect this game to go is that the Chiefs will walk into this game, open up the season with a relatively easy win over Houston. The Chiefs do have 20 of their 22 starters returning from Super Bowl 54, and the Texans lost their main receiver and probably the best player on their team last season, DeAndre Hopkins. Right now, the Texans' starting receiving core is Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and Randall Cobb, which is obviously subpar to the Chiefs' receiving uh, starting receivers of Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and McCole Hardman. And then I'm going to count Travis Kelsey as well, because even though he is a tight end, he basically brings the skill and the effectiveness of a Pro Bowl wide receiver. The Chiefs' defense is also significantly better than the Texans'. Uh, I mean, the Texans do have... Uh, J.J. Watt and Zach Cunningham, but I mean, take a look at this Chiefs defense. It's absolutely loaded. Uh, Chris Jones, Frank Lorick, Tyron Matthew, just to name a few. So I think that the Chiefs, uh, I mean, the Chiefs offense is also significantly better than the Texans offense. Now, I can't see a way that the Chiefs don't really walk out of this game with an easy win to open up the season. Sticking with the topic of the Texans, on Saturday, Deshaun Watson signed a four-year, $160 million extension with Houston, ensuring that he's getting, I think, $39 or $40 million a year. This is no surprise to anybody that Deshaun got extended. And really, to make, I think he's the second paid, the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL by year. I mean, he is a top five quarterback in the league. I have him. I think he's the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. And if the Texans can go and surround him with the best possible weapons, if they were to build off of what they had with DeAndre Hopkins and even given him more weapons, maybe a, even a good tight end to use, this is a team that has a chance to not only win a Super Bowl, but multiple Super Bowls in the near future. Over the last few days, teams have had to make their 53-man rosters. They had to finalize it yesterday, which means there were a lot of cuts, some which were quite surprising. If I actually went through and named every single cut on every single one of the 32 NFL teams, this would be a 12-hour show. So let's talk about one of the main guys that got cut, and that would be the Washington football team cutting future Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson. Before it got cu- before he got cut, it looked like AP was the clear-cut starter for this getting most of the workload 
And now that he's no longer in Washington, it looks like it is Antonio Gibson time. You know, that running back room is still loaded with Bryce Love, J.D. McKissick, and Peyton Barber. So releasing AP was really just a move so they could get their younger backs more reps since they probably believe Antonio Gibson is the future running back of this team. And, you know, while I don't think that the, the Washington football team will necessarily be that good this year, I think that they want to get their young running backs as many reps as possible, especially these young guys on offense. They have Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, two guys who are probably going to be staples of this team going into the future. And so, you know, I, I'm not I, I, the more I think about it, I'm not really surprised about this AP move, but because he is a veteran and they want to get these younger guys uh, more reps. Um, AP ended up actually signing with the Detroit Lions this morning. Uh, which is also relatively surprising to me since the Lions do have on Johnson and DeAndre Swift already in that backfield, and I figured they might want to get those young guys some reps, but I guess they're kind of worried about injuries. I know both those guys are questionable. on Johnson is set to be the starter week one, but I'm sure DeAndre Swift will get more reps than a normal backup would get, and now Adrian Peterson, and so I don't really, talking fantasy, I don't really rely on any of these guys in terms of fantasy anymore um, just because of, I'm worried about how uh, how many touches they're actually going to get. Josh Gordon has once again signed with the Seattle Seahawks after filing for reinstatement because the uh, the NFL no longer tests for the magic herb. Uh, Gordon was one of the top receivers in the league a few years back and had one of the most promising futures when he was with Cleveland, but was unfortunately suspended a bunch of times because of problems with substance abuse. Um, he spent some time in New England and Seattle last year, but was suspended again last season. Now he is back with the Seahawks and hoping he can prove that he is the same receiver that we saw put up over 1,600 receiving yards in 2013 when he was with the Browns. The New England Patriots released wide receiver Muhammad Sanu. The Pats traded a second-round pick to the Falcons for Sanu. Only really be considered a Belichick mistake. Um, we don't really see a lot of those. I think Bill Belichick is extremely overrated as a general manager. I think he's the best coach of, best coach of all time. But I think that when it comes to uh, signing guys um, and making trades, he's not necessarily the best at, at that job. Um, the Patriots aren't loaded at receiver, so they must have uh, really noticed that Sanu just wasn't playing well in camp. I don't really know um, necessarily if anything happened, but he really wasn't efficient last season. And I mean, the Patriots, they admitted their mistake and moved on, which is a thing that I think a lot of teams need to start doing instead of holding on to this hope that, oh, this guy is going to get good. I think the teams need to just accept their mistake, kind of like the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. They're like, all right, this we made a mistake. We'll take the one pick. And they took Kyler Murray and then traded Josh Rosen away. Admit your mistake and move on. There are a few teams that I can actually see going after Sanu. One of, uh, one of the teams actually being the New York Jets. The Jets do run thin at receiver right now after a bunch of injuries at that position. And if the Jets decide that they aren't healthy enough to put out a pretty good group out there, I could absolutely see I could absolutely see Joe Douglas taking a shot at Sanu. Um, the Jets do love former Patriot receivers. Uh, Braxton Berrios was a um, was a Patriot at one point. I wouldn't necessarily love the move, since, like I said, the Patriots also don't have a lot of guys at receiver that are that talented, um, besides Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. So yeah, he must have been pretty bad for them to actually have released him. Staying along with the topic of the Patriots, New England officially announced Cam Newton as their for week one against the Dolphins. This wasn't really a surprise since Jarrett Stidham is hurt and Brian Hoyer just isn't that good and neither of them are good in general. I don't like Jarrett Stidham. I never thought that he was actually going to be the starter in New England. I thought there was kind of a smokescreen by Bill Belichick and they had been working on the Cam Newton thing for a while. But I mean, what 
here's the thing. What can you expect from Cam this season? Will we see MVP Cam like we saw in 2015? Or will we continue to see what we saw last year from Cam, ridden by injuries and really just not that good? I think that we will see a very average Cam Newton this season. It won't be one extreme or another. Everyone's saying he's either going to be MVP or he's going to be awful. And I think he's going to be right in the middle. And I think that you can uh, credit this to the way that Belichick coaches. Um, I think the Patriots will try their best to keep him healthy by keeping him in the pocket, utilizing their backfields, and not making Cam do too much when the ball's in his hands. That means not making him throw it as far as he can down the field. Uh, slow drives, efficient drives, keep him in the pocket. You know, everyone's saying either, you know, they, the Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl with Cam Newton or that they're going 0 16 and getting Trevor Lawrence. I can't see either of those happening. Um, he's going to be right in the middle. That, that's just, uh, I, I don't understand the, the, the Cam hype. People are like, oh, he's going to go to New England and be better than he was in Carolina. That's just simply not true. He's not going to be better than he was in Carolina in 2015. You know, not if Cam stays healthy, he's going to be very average. He doesn't have great weapons around him to make him look amazing. So we're going to see Cam's pure talent this year. It's going to be exciting since this is a situation that we haven't seen in New England in like 20 years since they got Brady. Leonard Fournette signed with the Buccaneers after being released by the Jaguars. What a complete flip of luck for Leonard Fournette. In Jacksonville, there was a chance that he actually went 0-16 and had a rough season with awful management, awful coaching, and awful front office. Now he's in Tampa Bay, a team that will be absolutely competing for a Super Bowl this year with Bruce Arians as a coach, who is definitely one of the best coaches in the league right now. I love Bruce Arians. Um, I don't think Bruce Arians actually believed that Ronald Jones was the clear-cut starter and could handle most of the workload. I said that when they signed LaShawn McCoy and drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, and now even more that they got Leonard Fournette. Um, Fournette hits the hole hard and can be very useful. Goal line downs are third and fourth uh, and shorts. Um, the touches will be split amongst all the backs, but good for Fournette for changing his narrative. The Jadavian Clowney free agency saga seems to be over. Um, after tons of speculation and predictions all through the offseason, Clowney is expected to sign with the Titans uh, on a one-year deal that is worth up to $15 million. He is going to absolutely help out their run defense, but not so much their pass rush. Um, people ask me if I thought the Jets should go sign him. I was always kind of against it, just purely because the Jets need a good pass rusher, and we already can stop the run pretty well. And just Clowney would will, will just continue to add on to that. But he can't. We, we need a good edge guy to come in and actually be able to sack the quarterback. Clowney was never really good in the pass rush. But... He has the ability to make the uh, the Titans defense a lot better, but I still don't believe in the Titans as a viable option to make the playoffs or especially do what they did last year. I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill until I see more consistency because, I mean, we see we saw in Miami, you know, every few years he would just go and kind of remind us that he knows how to play football, and he did that last year in Tennessee, and then the next year he'd end up just showing kind of it's a fluke and that he's actually not that good. And so that's kind of what I think is going to happen this year, but I'm happy Clowney is finally going to sign with the team. And I don't have to hear about him anymore this is the hard count football podcast live my name is jacob charnow leading the next generation of football fans live on youtube and twitch with chris landry football please help spread the word as you can catch this show on the chris landry twitch channel at twitch.tv slash chris landry football and you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for landry football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts you can also watch this show on chris where all this information is there for you now Let's bring on our guest for today. He is the co-founder of the Jets X Factor and a credentialed New York Jets journalist. Please welcome 
Robbie Sabo. Robbie, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Jacob. Thanks for having me. And Adrian Peterson, you know, I drafted Bryce Love in two of my fantasy leagues. I cut him before the AP news. So my folks, wait until cut down day before you make cut in your fantasy league. Yeah, absolutely. I had a guy in my league who um, he drafted Adrian Peterson relatively early. He's like, this is the best pick in the draft. Antonio Gibson's he's not going to get as much work as everyone think he is. And yeah. then next day, Adrian Peterson gets cut. So yep. wait till cut day. Wait till cut day for sure. Wait till cut day. Yeah. So, Robbie, like I said, you are a credentialed New York Jets journalist, uh, which means you get to attend training camp. What are some of the top stories that you saw at Jets training camp this year? I mean, obviously, number one is injuries. The injuries were uh, crazy once again. And you could tell Adam Gase is kind of guarded about it because of what happened last year. They were the hardest hit injury team last year uh, in Miami. He had the same issue. I think he had Tannehill for 24 of the possible 49 games, including a playoff game. Um, so he's guarded against it when speaking about it. So injuries were number one. But interestingly, uh, I think a lot of the injuries were the Jets own doing and holding guys back. I think they were playing it smart because last Wednesday there were like five or six guys that returned all in one day. So I think they exchanged a little rust early in the season to play it smart. Um, injuries were number one. Darnold not exactly taking that next step is number two. I think uh, everyone has to be careful. Don't pay attention to stats in training camp. You want to see execution. Uh, one of his issues is slow to the outlet. He's, he's not thinking quickly with his progressions. Um, so I think that's number two. And number three, the weapons. He just hasn't had the weapons because of the injuries. Uh, number four, on the positive note, the offensive line. No injuries on the offensive line. That's the number one thing they need to fix, and that is a huge positive that everyone's overlooking right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I actually wanted to ask you about Sam Darnold. So mm -hmm. one thing that the Jets are hopeful for in a year of the unknown with this team is the development of Sam Darnold. From what you've seen so far, I know you mentioned that he didn't necessarily take it up in training camp, but do you think Sam Darnold is going to take the next step up this season? And that the Jet, Jets fans want to see so badly. And do you think that he actually needs to take the step up this year? Or do you think that if, you know, if, if Darnold doesn't take the step up and the Jets end up having a, what, 6-10 and 10 record, that they mm -hmm. just fire Gase and just say, let's get Darnold his third head coach? I think uh, he will take a step this season. How large a step it will be, I don't know. Uh, the first guy to keep an eye on is Mekhi Becton. If Mekhi Becton is the stud they drafted him to be, I think that opens it up for Darnold. He needs that first guy. The second guy is Connor McGovern. If those two guys can really, uh, you know, Becton is the anchor, but anchor the unit, um, then that opens it up for Darnold. In terms of Gase, I mean, hey, it's everyone, every Jets fan has that question. Will Gase be back? Will Gase be back? Will Gase be back? I think you have to kind of, you know, decompartmentalize it. Start thinking offensive line, then think Darnold. Worry about Gase later. Try to Try to see progression on the field first. Uh, record won't be the most important thing. I think it'll be progression, progression with the O-line, progression with Darnold. And then you'll see where the chips fall for Gase after that. Yeah, I'm not as hard on Gase as a lot of people are. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's the best leader yeah. for the Jets for that for that young team. But uh, listen, he, I think that Darnold should definitely feel more comfortable in Gase's offense. And I think that's definitely going to help. I mean, Having a first-year head coach, you obviously have to get used to the system. Um, Darnold was—it's not like Darnold was a rookie last year and just coming into the league, and that was the first system he was using. He was using Todd Bowles' system his first year. So yeah. taking that next step with such a different coach—I mean, Adam Gase is offensively minded, and 
Todd Bowles was obviously defensive minded. Now he's the defensive uh, coordinator over in Tampa Bay. You know, if if Gase can show that he can uh, improve Darnold and they can actually work together and have that dynamic that a lot of uh, quarterbacks and head coaches have, which I think is extremely important. You look at some of these best teams, they have good head coach quarterback duos that that have chemistry together. I mean, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. Sean Payton and Drew Brees. <clears throat> so yeah, I just kind of think that um that that Adam Gase could definitely. I, even, I think that uh, yeah. So. If you're a Jets fan, even if you didn't want Gase, you have to be fair, right? Yeah. Be fair. I mean, you everyone is exploding about the Tannehill stuff last year. You know, there are examples of guys that failed without Gase after Miami. It's a silly game to play. You know, look at Kenyon Drake doing it in Arizona instead of Miami. It's a silly game to play. You could pick guys that uh, you know were positive, more positive with Gase. Be objective. The injuries were killer. The talent wasn't there. Um, even if you didn't want him, be objective. He has good concepts. And like you said, I think he's a good play caller. The question still remains, is he a leader? Does he have those head coaching traits? Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, you know, something that Jets fans were very critical of and everybody saw in the game was was Gase's usage, Gase's usage of Le'Veon Bell. You know, they're paying Le'Veon all this money and everyone kind of figured that he would come in and be that same back that um mm-hmm. that he was in Pittsburgh and he wasn't that last year but I can't really um I, I don't think that's necessarily Le'Veon's fault or Gase's fault because Gase did admit that it is that he did uh misuse him but you can really that offensive line was awful they were easily if if they weren't the worst in the league they were second worst in the league next to Miami yeah. next to a team who was absolutely tanking and the Jets were trying to win last year and I think that in terms of their schedule and how everything was kind of fitting, I think that they probably should have made the playoffs last year. I mean, they lost a few games to, to Cincinnati. I think they probably could have beaten Miami in that game that they lost to them. So there were a few games that probably could have gone either way or should have gone the other way. But, you know, Le'Veon this year, I have I think he's going to have over 1,000 rushing yards. I think that he's going to be utilized in the uh, the passing game a lot more, kind of like Christian McCaffrey is. They're, they might even line him up at receiver. I really wouldn't be surprised about that. Just purely because of the receiving core in this team. And that's something I also kind of wanted to ask you about. You know, major criticism of the Jets roster right now is that wide receiver core. Right now, a completely healthy Jets receiver group would feature the likes of Brashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, and Jamison Crowder. However, this is not the case because uh, of a ton of injuries in this position. I know Sam Darnold in camp was working with receivers because of injuries that weren't necessarily as good or as reliable, such as Chris Hogan or uh, Josh Malone, who ended up getting cut. Do you believe the receiving core will be a problem for the Jets this season? And how much do you think it will affect their overall performance on the field? I think... I mean, you go back to 09 for the for the Jets fans who are a little older to remember Rex Ryan. They entered that 09 season with Jericho Cotchery and Chancey Stuckey. When you look at teams that are good in the NFL, it's there's a pattern. It's usually the trenches. It's usually the offensive line. And everything else comes secondary. You know, when, when you're playing football, everything starts in the middle and then trickles out to the outside. So I don't think it's as big as an issue as people think. Uh, Darnold definitely was hindered. This training camp with Jehu Chesson, Josh Malone, um, both of those guys had some good good moments in camp too. Uh, Chris Hogan, Jeff Smith, who made the team. I don't think it's – listen, you you want weapons, obviously. You want a Tyree kill, but I don't think it's a, as big as an issue as people think right now. Yeah, that's why I was saying when um, when the DeAndre Hopkins thing happened, you know, when he was traded to the Cardinals, everyone was like, oh, why didn't Joe Douglas make a move on him? And that's really because – you know, I think uh, they traded a second rounder for Hopkins, yep. and 
look, we, I mean, we got Denzel Mims with that second round pick and no one would believe, I mean, I know the moment that I was like, all right, Joe Douglas is the real deal was yep. the moment that he traded down 11 picks and still got Denzel Mims who they would have taken at 48. Yep. So and, that was, and you look that, at yeah. it, you look at it, McCagnan, he goes out and signs Mosley and Bell last year. Yeah. You only sign those big free agents who are a little older when you're ready to compete. They, they need to be the sprinkles on the cake. They need to be the cherry on top of the foundation. And trading for Hopkins would have been that sort of move. How old is Hopkins now? 29, 28? Uh, probably something around there. He's somewhere around there. there. Yeah. And I know the, the second round pick's not much. So from that regard, it might have been a decent move, but he feels they're not ready yet. So there's no point in adding aging uh, guys that will cost money when the infrastructure is not ready yet. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. McCagnon was, ugh, that was rough to watch. Just McCag like it was like they, they were, they were in the rebuild phase. They were rebuilding around the defense around Jamal Adams and, and they drafted Darnold. And then they just like in a rebuild phase, they just kind of drafted these guys that like a team that would, that kind of always makes the playoffs. Yeah. Would, would, it, it was just, it was very confusing. I didn't understand it. And then the fact that they paid him so much money, like yeah. there's, and, so, and that's kind of a question also. I like So CJ Mosley, obviously, he opted out of the year. Last year, he was injured the entire year. And Le'Veon, I mean, Le'Veon's getting paid, I think, $17 million a year or something, or $15 million, Or no. Yeah, 30, right around there. Yeah, 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 it's it might be a little less, but right around 13, that ballpark. Or 13 and a half. I have no idea. But it's somewhere between there. He's getting paid a lot of money for a running back. That's just that. that yeah. So do you think that after this year, Joe Douglas, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, listen, CJ, you haven't been healthy for us. You opted out last year. Do you think that they maybe get rid of him to kind of clear up some cap space? So with with CJ, they can't because, okay. I mean, they can possibly, but they'll lose. I forget the exact figure. I did an article on this. They'll lose, they'll lose significant money because the opt-out rules, everything got pushed back. So his contract got pushed back. If it didn't get pushed back, they would have been able to cut him next offseason and save significant money, I think around 8 or $10 million. They can't do that now. So they're going to have to wait till after next year. Bell, they could cut him this offseason and, and save significant money. So I think unless Bell becomes you know Superman again this year, I think this is Bell's last season in New York. Mosley, in terms of Mosley, you just got to hope for the best. Honestly, taking off a year from football and coming back is a tough chore. You know, I kept reminding Jets fans, don't bank on Mosley because it's really tough to come back, especially from that injury, uh, that, that injury that he had, that groin, where he was uh, – in Buffalo, going back on a Tampa 2 whole defense when he injured it. After two years, I mean, it's it's a complete wild card. So I think Mosley's here for next year. Bell, I think, will be gone. Yeah, so th- yesterday the Jets finalized their 53-man roster, meaning a lot of people got cut, including undrafted rookie wide receiver Lawrence Cager, who I really liked. I really wanted to see him play. Uh, he had some bright moments in training camp. I'm kind of surprised that they actually ended up cutting him. Which of the cuts were, more, were the most surprising to you and why? I think Cager and Matthias Farley. Cager surprised me because you can't teach what he does. He could catch at the high point. He's a he's a red zone uh, threat, but he's injured. That's his that's his issue. Yeah. Gets injured a lot. And with Perryman and Mims, that's a that's three guys in the wide receiver room that could be very injured all the time. So I think they were afraid of that. Uh, hopefully they bring him back on the practice squad. And Matthias Farley uh, surprised me too because Grant Boyer loves him on special teams as a personal punt protector. Uh, they could use Ashton Davis, but Farley surprised me as well. Those two guys. Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, and Farley, too. I, I think Farley, he's very underrated on this team. Yeah. There's a lot of underrated guys on this defense who, you know, I, I'm excited to see Avery Williamson come back this year. 
But I'm also like you said, it's a year off from football. He he was constantly getting hurt, and while he showed when he was actually on the field that he is really good, I, I'm worried about that linebacker position. Are, are, yep. Do you have any concerns about the, about the linebacker position with both yes. with Williamson coming back and then they cut uh, James Burgess? You know, last mm-hmm. year they had one of the worst linebacker groups in terms of missed tackles and everything. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of worried. What are your thoughts about the linebacker? The good news is it really doesn't change from last year, right? Because you got Hewitt, Cashman, uh, Williamson comes back. You got Anwasu. Um, remember, Burgess didn't make the team either last year initially, so maybe he's he's on standby and they and they call him back when he's ready or when they need him. Uh, it comes down to legitimately the the four man pass rush, which really is the concern. It's been the concern for a decade and a half for the Jets since John yeah. Abraham. They haven't had a pass rush, so. Uh, what will save the linebacking crew is Quinn and Williams taking a huge step and someone on the edge stepping up. Bryce Huff, the rookie that that surprised everyone and made the team. He didn't get a lot of action in teams with the first team or second team this year, this camp. Um, Luvu, Luvu's been pretty good the last two weeks in camp. So if, if someone could step up on the outside opposite Jordan Jenkins with Quinn and Williams in the middle, that could really elevate the linebacking crew. Yeah, so Quinn and Williams going to his second year, a lot of people, you know, he missed a few games last year. I wasn't really like he didn't make an immediate impact necessarily. I mean, he was pretty good, but this year, I mean, he said he was watching film from Aaron Donald. You know, I'm those are that's a good guy to watch film from. Like, there's, he's, <laughs> I think that there's a chance that Quinn definitely takes that next that if there's a guy on the Jets that is going to take that next step up this season, it's going to be Quinn Williams. The man, I mean, he's he, he, don't forget he is a third. He was the third overall pick, and yeah. a lot of Jets fans, you know. We should have gotten Josh Allen. We should have gotten Josh Allen. Just wait on Quinn and Williams because he has a chance to be one of the best. You know, I think he uh, he plays some defensive end. He plays. He's kind of mm-hmm. right in the middle too. He's going to get to the quarterback this year, and he's he could make a lot of offensive lines really I miserable. I think you're right. He's the guy, the guy to keep an eye on who could make the, the biggest step up, like the largest step up. And between him and Josh Allen, the only reason people say Josh Allen is because it's position I need. You yeah. need edges so bad. Still do that. That was the uh, big issue. But Quinnen Williams, he has all the tools. His hands are ridiculous. His speed, his sideline to sideline speed, is ridiculous. He's a little lighter for a defensive tackle, which I don't think everyone realizes. But you're right. He is that guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm also kind of worried about you know this this cornerback group because I'm. They signed Pierre Desir. They have Bless Austin, Brian Poole. I like Brian Poole. I think Brian Poole is uh, – I, I, he he's a lot older than I thought he was. But mm-hmm. Bless Austin's really young. I think he – was he a rookie last year? I think yeah. so. Um, I, I, I'm just like – I don't – they play a lot of teams with really good receivers this year. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have to guard Stephon Diggs twice a year, Devontae Parker, uh, Julian Edelman, and Nikhil Harry. They're going to have to they, – they play against the Chiefs, so they have to guard against Tyreek Hill. Do you think that this – you think that the corners are going to be an actual concern for this team? Yes, I do. And I think everyone's overlooking the Jamal Adams loss. <clears throat> it's a bigger deal than people even are giving it credit for. It's such a big deal because he was, if not their second best pass rusher, their, pass rusher, their best pass rusher. He made up such a difference in the back end. Even if Marcus May is playing strong safety and Ashton Davis or McDougal, they're playing free. It's going to be a huge deal for Greg Williams' defense. Uh, and at corner, he's going to play a lot of zone like he did last year. He tried to play man early with Tremaine Johnson and Terrell Roberts at Buffalo. John Brown torched him. They couldn't. And he realized right away, I can't play man ever. So bless Austin, Mallet, 
Um, and then Bryce Hall. We'll see when Bryce Hall comes back. He's going to start on a reserve list. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a, you know, throw this guy, throw that guy in there type of season at corner. Yeah, so let's talk about Marcus May because Marcus May, he's going to his contract year, one year left. I think they should absolutely resign him after this year because Marcus May, he's been very good for the defense. I think absolutely just resign him. You don't, I don't think he's going to want a ton of money, but however much he wants, Joe Douglas should pay him. He's 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 uh, he's more of a staple than a lot of people think he is. Um, and I heard that at camp they were using him a lot, like they used Jamal, and yes. that he was playing really well. What did you see out of Marcus May at camp this year it, in terms it, of it, the way they used him? Yeah. It shocked me. I thought him and Bradley McDougald would switch. They'd be interchangeable at free and strong safety. You know, I thought McDougald would start at strong, May at free, and they would switch often. He didn't do that. Greg Williams put May at strong safety. He looked exactly like the position Jamal Adams always played and McDougal deep. So May was covering tight ends. He was, uh, you know, setting the edge on the run. He was even blitzing at times. Yeah. Um, he will be that Adams guy. And if you look last year, he played strong safety two games against Baltimore and Miami when Adams and Poole both missed those games due to injury. Uh, Poole also played strong safety in his career at Atlanta. So Poole missing those games opened it up for May. And May was solid. He needs more experience there. He needs more reps. But I think if he gets those reps, he can be a fringe Pro Bowl player at the position. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, that I loved about Jamal Adams was his ability to cover the tight end. Yeah. Um, he And this year, I mean, they play against the Niners and the Chiefs. They play against the two best tight ends in the league. I mean, and they play. I think they play against the Raiders, too. Who yeah. I mean, Darren Waller. Waller. You yeah. play Waller, Kittle, Kelsey. Like, these are guys who are really good i'm yeah. worried about i'm, I'm just kind of worried about them being able to cover them i wasn't really worried when we had jamal i was like all right i mean you can limit the obviously they're going to catch the ball but you can limit the usage when you have the best tight end the best tight end coverer in the entire nfl and i'm hoping marcus may can really take that step up in terms of uh just showing that maybe the jamal losing jamal wasn't as big of a deal as ever as i mean i think as both of us think it is right um I really liked – I think that probably the most important thing in that Jamal Adams trade was absolutely getting McDougald because not only do you uh, get the two first-rounders, but you also get a replacement and someone to kind of fill that hole right away so you don't have to kind of rely on a rookie at Ashton Davis, who I think is going to be fantastic. I have uh, friends who closely follow Cal football. They're like, this guy This guy is the real deal. Like, he's like he's going to be he's gonna be really good and in terms of uh, – on both – defense and then also on special teams so what have you seen from ashton davis at camp so far so we we do a lot of film joe blew it at jets x factor mm-hmm. and i agreed with his assessment that he was raw on tape like he his instincts weren't there all the time at in college but it's the exact opposite in camp in person like he improved he's one of those rare guys that improves every day and, and rapidly and you hardly ever see that but that's the type of guy he is he even told the media the other day he told us he doesn't have a car yet. He walks to practice and someone asked him, why are you planning on getting a car with, you know, with your money? He's like, no, I haven't even thought about it. So he's got that one track mindset. It's just football all the time. And he improves every day. He's one of those strange guys you can't really describe. Um, So I agree with you. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. And I'm so like, I'm so excited to see what Greg Williams can do with him. Cause Greg Williams, if they fire Gase after this year and they get rid of uh, of Loggins and everything, I I really hope they just they keep Greg Williams just because he's just, like the things he can do with this defense, whether it's starters, backups, or third strings, mm-hmm. he can stop starting offenses uh, on he can stop starting offenses really whatever team it is. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about 
the Bills as much as, you know, a lot of people are. I'm not. Josh Allen hit a 58.8% completion percentage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm biased because I'm a Jets fan. It, it, real simply, oh, Josh right. Allen, yeah, Josh Allen just yeah. didn't really play that well in terms of statistics and everything. Um, but he also really didn't have the weapons that they could have. That and now he has Stephon Diggs to kind of just run and go and catch the ball. And as long as they're good at safety, I think they could kind of help. They can kind of contain Diggs, and I'm not really worried I mean, about that. If Diggs had issues with Cousins in Minnesota, what the hell's going to happen with Josh Allen in Buffalo? Right. Yeah. I mean, what week is he going to be screaming at Josh Allen on the sideline? Uh, you know, Buffalo. I think they're a tad overrated right now. Everyone's yeah. picked, I've seen 13 win projections for them. I think that's absurd. Yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's absurd. They got a good defense. They have a good front four. Their offensive line still pretty solid, so the run game should be good. They have great coaching. I think that's the top thing. Their coaching is really top-notch. But, hey, it's Buffalo. It's Josh Allen. Um, I was higher on Josh Allen than other people coming out just because everyone was trashing him, completely trashing him. <laughs> So I felt like I'm, I'm guilty. Allen. I'm guilty on that one for sure. Yeah, I felt like yeah. a Josh Allen apologist, but I'm, but I'm thinking, you know, I don't love this guy yet. I'm defending him. What the hell's wrong with me? So we'll see. It's Josh Allen. It's Buffalo. I think 13 wins is crazy. Um, they're a tad overrated. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I, and people forget. I mean, last year, the Jets should have beat Buffalo week one. Yes. Like let's CJ Mosley almost took out Buffalo single-handedly. That yep. was just like, I was at that game and mm-hmm. You know, it was so just disheartening to watch uh, Vedvik just miss every single kick he took. It yep. was just, oh, God. That was, it was a rough just, one. That was a rough yeah. one for Douglas. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen Jets fans so excited than after that fumble recovery uh, on, on Josh Allen and that pick six from CJ. Like, it was just, yeah. oh, my God. 16-3 in the fourth, and then Mosley goes out. It, like I said before, Tampa 2 dropping to the end zone and it was innocuous no one thought anything of it and then yeah. we're up there we're like where's mosley mosley's gone down the field twice um who got the big one was it john brown who got the big yeah fight? yep john yep, brown yep. yeah uh you know i don't know it, the greg williams has his work cut out for him this year without jamal adams so he yeah i was yeah i was at that i ended up going to the game against the raiders and that game was very that helped me a lot because that yep. was just it was nice to watch that team just absolutely destroy the raiders because yep. i think the raiders are also a bit i mean a, a lot of people don't really mention them but i still think Derek carr is a bit overrated um i think that he's uh a product of the system and uh, i i kind of think the same thing about Brady, but I think that he also hasn't been surrounded with the right weapons. So I think that, you know, we'll see what happens with the Raiders this year, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So my final question for you is this. We are exactly one week away from the Jets season over against the Bills. Hopefully I need them. I need football so badly right now. Just it's all I need. What are you expecting from this game Sunday? And what is your record prediction for the Jets this season? So Sunday, you know, I do expect rust because they, like I said, they were holding guys back. Their first team hardly played together, but I also do expect a competitive game. Um, I actually picked the Jets to win this in our uh, Jets X Factor preview, and I, truthfully, I think I kind of just went against the grain because everyone picked a loss. Yeah. But I do expect them to be competitive because the Bills will be rusty too. The Bills will yeah. be rusty as well um, in terms of season project pre, uh, projection. I'll go eight and eight. I'll go exactly in the middle, a little better perhaps than people think. Uh, not as flashy. You know, people are going to be screaming about the receivers all year because I think even though Perryman is a step up, more talented talented than Robbie Anderson, he's unreliable. He's always injured. 
and that's the issue. But I think Mekhi Becton is the real deal. I think the offensive line is going to be uh, solid. I think it's going to be top 15, top 16 in the league in the upper half. Um, so we'll go 8-8, miss the playoffs, but a solid second season for Jason Darnold. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to fall somewhere between 7-9 and nine, and then at most 9-7. and seven. Yeah. Um, The lowest, I would go 5-11 and 11 because that would, that would be if everything goes wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard schedule. I think they have the second hardest schedule in the league. So that's uh, – it, it is. It is, but you know, you never know what schedules too. Again. Right, yeah. And for older Jets fans in 2006, remember, your weapons were Kevin Barlow, Chris Baker, yeah. an unknown Leon Washington, an unknown Jericho Cotchery. Mangini's first year with Tannenbaum, they draft two offensive linemen in the first round. No one thinks anything of them. They think it's a terrible roster, and then boom, they win 10 games. Right. So if you're, if you're winning in the trenches, anything's possible, and that's the yeah. goal of Joe Douglas right now. This season's going to be the hardest for uh, quarterback head coach duos that have never been together, so I think the Giants are going to struggle, Joe True. Judge and Daniel Jones. I think that uh, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor will struggle together. I think that um, if Tua were to start right away, I think that him and Brian Flores might struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm worried about. I think there's even a chance Mike McCarthy and Dak struggle right away off the beginning. There's even a chance Tom Brady and Bruce Arians struggle off the bat right away, just because yeah. they don't they didn't have that 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 chemistry building that a lot of uh, a, a lot of teams would have during a normal uh, uh, black and white season. Just uh, training camp, you go through everything, whatever, everything, nothing's virtual, and you're and you're there in person. So I think that the fact that Gase is still around, and it's it's definitely going to be more helpful. To Darnold in terms of um, figuring out what's going, figuring out, figuring it out right away. Yeah, so that's entering that's, entering this season, yeah, it, it, with the same people is is a huge advantage, like you said. And yeah, we need absolutely. preseason. We need preseason games back too. Without yeah. the preseason, it's rough. You know, these kids need a chance to need a stage to try to show their talents to try to make the team. So I hope that returns next year. With the, I think it's going to be two games preseason, but we'll, we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, preseason is a lot more important than a lot of people think it is yeah. because you, you, a lot of these undrafted guys, a lot of these rookies, you know, they're getting their chance to really shine and show what they can do. Guys on the second, the second string, guys, you know, those are where they shine. Those are where they move from the second string up to the first string. But then there's also the the problem with injuries. I mean, Avery Williamson, obviously, look what happened last year. That sucked, but it was, it, it just happened. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I'm just kind of hoping that uh, we get through it. We finish. And, and with a nice record and we finish the season, everyone plays their games normally and we just everyone stays healthy. Because, I think we yeah. will. I think we will. Yeah. All right, Robbie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been fun. Go ahead, promote yourself. Tell us where we can find you. Go to jetsxfactor.com um, and pretty much you'll find everything there. It's the new site. Me and Michael Nanny co-founded it. Joe Blewett, big film guy, also contributes. Um, check it out. We also have app on the on itunes on the app store and on google play so check that out yeah absolutely i'll see you thank you so much all right I'm yeah and with that we are going to wrap today from the hard count football podcast live my name is jacob charno and thank you so much everyone for joining me today and be sure to go follow me on twitter at jacob charno instagram at hard count football and here on twitch with chris landry full thank you so much once again to robbie sabo for joining me today if you're watching on youtube make sure to subscribe to hard count football Join me next Sunday for more exclusive interviews and talk about the top headlines in football. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.